Hello, everybody. Welcome back to this edition of the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. As always, I'm your host, Mike Murray. Thrilled to be joined today by one of our coaching colleagues, Coach Jason Walter from down in Fort Worth, Texas at Lakeside. Coach, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. Listen, man, when you jumped on, I had to say this is like a Texas-sized podcast today because you got that longhorn in the background. It doesn't get any more Texas than that. No, it doesn't. Uh, when you graduate from uh, Texas or live in Fort Worth, it's the uh, it's the uh, animal you see everywhere in Texas. So you got to have one in uh, your house. So <laughs> we got to oh, have yeah. Texas. Yeah, we had a great time down there at the Asco World Clinic and the hospitality, the, the folks down there that we worked with was tremendous. Love visiting Texas. Uh, loved going to the old Austin Grand Prix. I know you have a lot of history in Texas. Tell us about your coaching background, uh, how you got involved in the sport, and how it's led to where you are now. Well, uh, I mean, I was like any other kid in the state of Texas. Uh, grew up swimming summer league and uh, started out doing summer league uh, at like five years old and uh, really enjoyed just. Uh, racing uh found out i was pretty good at it and continued to do it i did a lot of sports uh throughout my um uh, early life so i was playing football basketball a little bit of baseball uh did um and then did swimming and decided in high school to really focus on swimming and swam for three years in high school and um was lucky to be on a state champion uh uh, relay uh, here in uh, in uh, Texas and uh, then decided my senior year that I wanted to quit and uh, which was not really the best idea for me um, and uh, went on went on to college and uh, met my wife there and uh, graduated with a couple degrees and uh, went on and uh, I had a computer science degree and thought uh it would be my next step and 9-11 happened and uh, the tech market kind of crashed and uh, went to always thought, hey, I wanted to teach high school. Um, let me go try that out and uh, went to a job fair and they had a, a middle school football coach and a high school swim coach. And I was like, well, I did play middle school quarterback, so I'm pretty qualified for this middle school football coach. And they said, well, do you have any swimming, swimming background? And I was like, that yeah, was pretty good in high school. I was a high school state champion. And they uh, said, well, would you like the job? And uh, started coaching high school and uh, um, met one of my friends, Steve Melbourne. And uh, he got me into summer league coaching during the summertime and then started coaching club. And uh, uh, kind of the rest is history. I uh, coached high school for 10 years and um, was hired in uh, 2008 as the uh, head age group coach for Lakeside Aquatic Club at the Keller branch when they moved from a little small 250 person team out of a small eight lane pool and they branched out to five different pools. And uh, we were one of the satellite programs and uh, moved my way up to head coach and uh, started out, I think we were 420, 430 kids total back in 2011 and uh, had uh, two full-time full coaches 
And uh, basically, we were a very, very small program. Uh, we always talked about how we were uh, one of the, uh, uh, basically, our office was in the back of a car. Uh, and uh, we, uh, we built our team up with uh, really good quality um, hires and uh, um, uh, built it up uh, to become now we're 1300 kids with five sites and over 20 full-time employees and it's kind of crazy to say that out loud and uh, how far we've come from uh, not having a kid at we had one kid at sectionals um, when I first started and uh, now we brought 30 plus kids to junior nationals so it's a pretty pretty big change yeah I mean it's so impressive you know being uh at Irvine this summer and, and seeing, you know, the scope and the depth of the talent that you have on your team. But I think one of the things that's probably most valuable for coaches who listen to this program every week is, you know, you mentioned it, you were essentially running the team out of the back of your car. And now you have 20 full-time employees. And as you mentioned, you have some fantastic coaches. I'm going to do a selfish plug here and say the two of them are from New York state. Uh, and Andrew Marsh and Frankie DiMaria, those guys uh, that that uh, came up behind me and, and are doing a great job. You know, Andrew Marsh was a fitter and faster age group coach of the year. Um, uh, he was on that list. So you mentioned it, quality coaches. How do you manage growth of that nature from 250 kids to over 1,300 athletes in the span of a decade? Uh, it seems like a long time, but it's not. It happens like that. Well, we made a whole lot of mistakes. Um, I know early on, uh, no one's going to really believe this, but we went through about 85 coaches on staff. Um, uh, and probably my first three or four years as head coach, um, I, if I did not have a, a big group of people to draw from. So, you know, if you knew what swimming was, I was ready to hire you. And, um, uh, I hired Clayton Cagle um, and Craig Harris, and uh, those two kind of became the staple people uh, on, on uh, our team. And Clayton really mentored me on uh, how to run and manage a team coming from fleet uh, and being at the national level for as long as he was. And so uh, it was, you know, it, it's been great to have good quality coaches. And I think the first thing I learned by churning through all those coaches and making so many mistakes early on was, you know, find people who are good people first and then find good quality coaches and, um, you know, do the best you can to retain those coaches and uh, give them the opportunity to focus on coaching and not as much on running the team. So I try to do a lot of that stuff, but I have a, you know, I have a good group of core coaches uh, Tom Cypress, Chrissy Gentry, Steve Mateer, Jeff Pishko, um, all help uh, really manage our sites. Uh, Bill Christensen as well. Um, and uh, I, I think the one thing I learned after hiring Clayton was I should not be the best coach on staff and I need to get out of my comfort zone and hire coaches who are better than I am. And it'll make the team a, a lot better. And that's really what I've tried to do is um, hire great quality coaches 
Uh, one of my first hires early on was uh, our our lesson and stroke team coach, Sarah Crouch. And uh, she really, you know, developed our kids from uh, a, a age group lesson level all the way up with quality coaches. So having those really good coaches at a young level really made us look, really make us at the national level look really good. Because uh, when you have really good coaches below you, you, uh, um, you have good quality kids with great skills coming um, uh, through your program. Oh, no doubt. Greg Troy always says the best coaches in the United States are those 10 and under coaches that teach them the technique and develop the skill set that you'll use later on. But just hearing some of those names, you know, Pishko, Craig Harris, Craig Harris and I were on a, a national select staff together. I mean, you've really had a great group of kids or coaches coming up to lead those kids. Yes. And, and I, I mean, it's, it's been, uh, uh, I've done my best to, uh, we've had a great uh, talented group come through the DFW area and I've done my best to retain as many as we could. Uh, I remember when Bill Christensen retired from NTN, I was like, Bill, anytime you want to come back to the pool deck, please come back and we'll have you uh, be a part of our team. And he slowly came back and now he's having a lot of fun coaching kids and uh, helping us out and uh, getting us to the next level. No doubt. So Jason, when we think about managing a team your size and, and here you are, you have 20 full-time staff. What are you looking for as the head coach in those people that you're going to hire? What are some of the non-negotiable skills that those folks have to have so that as coaches build their teams, they can listen to your advice and think to themselves, okay, there was huge growth at Lakeside. Here's what Jason looked for when he was hiring his staff. You know, I really think the number one thing is finding good quality people, like outside of the swimming world. I mean, I always listen to what Eddie Reese had to say as a young coach, and I would show up to the, um, uh, the ASCA clinics. I'd show up to uh, our high school clinics, the TISCA clinics, and I'd hear Eddie talk, and he really wouldn't give tons of information about what he was doing technically. He would just talk about his relationships he had with his swimmers and um, the just the relationship he and Chris had. And, and I really tried to do the best to model after that. So I did my best to find good quality coaches who care. I mean, and that's, I think, the biggest thing of if you have coaches who really care about the progression of the kids and can create a good relationship with those kids and can communicate effectively with them, they're going to do the same thing with parents. They're going to do the same thing with other staff members. They're going to do the same thing with people in the, in, in the community. So my goal is to find those coaches, you know, who, who have the X's and O's, but to be perfectly honest, who are just good people and really love what they're doing and are passionate about what they're doing. And I feel like, you know, after spending 20, 30 minutes with a person, you can kind of understand um, where they're at and um, what type of person they are. And so, you know, um, I think all we're trying to do is inspire young children to be really good and, and to be the best they can be. 
I mean, we've been in existence since 1984 and haven't had an Olympian. And so I keep telling parents, you know, as they leave this program, they're going to be better people and be better equipped to be good college students, as well as know what it's like to work in the workforce later on in, in, in a life. So you're hoping that those coaches understand the culture at Lakeside and are able to effectively communicate why that's so important to their athletes. Yes. And, 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 and I think, you know, I, I think the biggest thing with our culture is um, we're very lucky that we have very good facilities, but we have a good board of directors. We have a very good coaching staff and our parents, and we're all headed in the same direction. And that didn't happen right away. And it's been great to uh, um, have everybody moving in that same direction with the same goal. I mean, we talk about one team, one vision, one goal, and that's basically, uh, you know, to let every single person reach their potential. And um, uh, we want to give them the, those skills to do that. So we, uh, I think the best way to do that is effectively communicate not only with the swimmers, but also with the parents. So we really try to train the parents as well on, you know, what we're trying to do here. We may not go over, well, this person's catch is a little off. They need to do this or that, but you know, how is your child going to move through our program? And, you know, where are some of the hurdles that they're going to have to jump over and, you know, when failure happens, is that positive or negative? And we really talk about failure here as being something positive because no one ever changed when they're doing something well. So, I mean, failure just says, I got to change what I'm doing and move in a different direction. No doubt. What, what an incredible, important part of the success journey is failing over and over and over again. Now, Jason, you mentioned, you know, 1,300 athletes, multiple sites. How do you make sure that all sites, all coaches, all parents are on that one team, one vision plan? Um, you know, I mean, I, I, definitely communication, um, I, I think, is a big part. Um, early on, we had a really big problem of over-communicating, where parents were getting emails all the, every day, all day long from different coaches. And we found out that, you know, the big thing is, is, um, uh, is making sure early into the season that we communicate with parents. We have an open house at each one of our sites and it's the opportunity for them to talk to me as the head coach and for me to talk a little bit about the vision that we have. Um, we have different, we have basically four major sites with a cult and some, some, some of those sites have multiple pools. Um, and we work with basically city pools and school district pools. So, um, you know, we're renters, so we have to be appreciative of the opportunities we have to rent there. So, you know, we're not the first priority for school district pools when they have events, um, and things like that, we're going to get removed from that. And so communicating to the parents that, you know, we're a part of the community and we're a part of this process, but we're also have to work with everybody. So um, I have four site supervisors that work at our uh, major pools um, and they uh, help really focus on the vision that we're trying to do at each uh, site. So 
you know, um, one of the things that makes us a little bit different than everybody else is um, all four of our national coaches pretty much have the same vision on how to train kids. Um, we all focus on energy system training. And um, so uh, we all do it a little bit differently. And I think having coaches have the freedom to do that and to really focus on their strengths. But, um, you know, we start out at least at the lower levels, our developmental level. And uh, we have Sarah Crouch as our um, developmental coordinator, which is pretty much our stroke team in our lessons. Mm -hmm. uh, kids who are learning all four strokes. Uh, and so before they come into the competitive groups, they got to go through our developmental program. And that is more like a, you know, a, a McDonald's where you walk into any different location, they're going to be saying the same thing, teaching the same type of things. They have a same weekly curriculum. And then as we go through our program, our age group programs um, kind of are more of a franchise model where we're still really trying to have a little bit more horizontal alignment across our groups, as well as um, uh, they kind of morph into what each site uh, site national coach is doing. So um, we, we really feel like communication is, a, is uh, a big key. So all of our 13, 14 coaches try to talk on a regular basis about what they're doing. Uh, we use commit swimming, so it's really easy to see uh, workouts from across each site um, and uh, try to communicate that way. But, um, you know, I, I think the communication with the parents and understanding that they're really the customers um, and understanding that, you know, they're the, they're, they're the decision makers in this whole process is making sure that they understand that we're taking care of their kids and how their kids are progressing through the program. So um, we try to do that with written evaluations once a season to let the parents know, here's how their kids are doing. And um, uh, if, you know, parents uh, want to talk to coaches, we allow that to happen and really foster that. Um, you know, we, we do our best to, as the kids get up and the higher level groups trying to meet with them on a one-on-one -on -one basis, just so everybody's kind of on the same page. Yeah, I love it. Are there any other uh, platforms or things that you use as a staff to, to stay more coordinated or is it just essentially we text, we email? Uh, just text, email. And I mean, we do have uh, staff meetings every um, about two weeks um, and we meet at a centralized location uh, where it's a basically temporary office area and they have a conference room and we go in there and we, um, and most of the full-time coaches meet, we almost, we have many part-time coaches who do other jobs. So, um, the full-time coaches kind of meet and we kind of transition the messages down. We don't normally meet as an entire staff because just be too hard with every, with uh, everybody's schedules. Sure. So here you are, Jason, you guys can now compete for summer junior national titles. You have athletes who have their eye on the prize at Olympic trials. You, you have an athlete that absolutely has a chance at maybe making a team. How do you manage that level of success? And then also make sure that you're taking care of that 15 or 16 year old guy 
who just loves swimming and, and maybe will swim in college, maybe not, but he just loves to compete. How do you manage and balance those different levels of achievement? Uh, it's very difficult, but you have to trust the coaches around you. Um, and, uh, I think that's the biggest thing is being able to, um, trust the people around you to know that, uh, we're all working together for the same goal. Um, we have, uh, a lot of different, uh, national groups around our, um, around our sites and, uh, uh, I think the biggest thing is every coach on the pool deck can have positive interactions with any athlete. So um, Frank is on my pool deck and uh, it doesn't matter if you're Sarah Krauts, the developmental coach, or um, you're Bill Christensen or Dan Ballin, who's helping us out um, on the same pool deck. Everybody can talk to every single swimmer and it's not like uh we have our own little sandbox and nobody else is around. I really feel diversity of thought and diversity is very important. So, you know, anybody who can make somebody better, I want them to, I want their input and know what we can do. I mean, you need a leader to make sure we're steering the ship in the right direction, but um, I do not have all the answers and I, um, and I am only as good as the coaches I have below me. So, I, I, I'm not uh, trying to uh, say that I have uh, tons of knowledge, but I do my best to steal from other people and um, uh, use everything they can. And I trust them that they have their best interest out for the swimmers as well as for our team. No doubt. And as, as we creep closer and closer to June and the, the pressure that's building around the experience of not only competing at Olympic trials, but really looking to try to make an impact and maybe take a shot at making this team. How do you manage the expectations as the head coach? How do you manage the expectations that go along with that athlete, but at the same time, as the head coach and the leader of the program, you've got to ensure that everything that's happening back at home is still functioning at a high level while simultaneously really working on the dream. That's one of the hardest things I think a, a head coach can, can face in an Olympic year. Yeah, you really have to have a good infrastructure and you have to trust your staff because not only are we uh, attending Olympic trials, we're also bringing 150 kids out to Olympic trials to watch and compete in meets that same weekend. So, Oh, that's awesome. Talk about how that, how that generated. So you're going to bring a whole crew out we got a whole crew coming out of to be like there to watch their teammates and like uh, uh, eight chaperones coming out and we're going out and uh, the city of Indianapolis is doing a great job of uh, making multiple competitive opportunities for people um, around the country to come in and uh, compete as well as watch Olympic trials. So for at least a, a few of the days, uh, three of the days, we'll have uh, uh, over 200 people cheering for our team. And uh, so it's going to be a pretty exciting time. You know, uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, is we really don't have expectations on things. We want, we want to be the best we can be, but I, I, I kind of feel like expectations are just waiting to, you know, 
waiting for you to be let down. So, uh, you know, you kind of show up to a party expecting it to be awesome. And you show up and they're like, this is kind of boring. And you show up to another different event where you don't really have expectations and it's a great, you have a great time. So I really feel like if you have expectations, you're holding yourself accountable to some imaginary standard. And so, you know, for us, it's, uh, we want to be the best we can be. We have a whole lot of competitive coaches and uh, we, um, we verbalize that we want to be uh, one of the top teams in the country. And for a long time, as we were developing as a, as a uh, young team, you know, we wanted to be the best team in the state of Texas. We wanted to be, uh, that was our first and foremost goal. We got some really, really good teams here and we wanted to be a nationally recognized program. And uh, I remember early on, Dave Thomas was like, you guys are the largest team that nobody knows about. And uh, uh, so that was one of the things that we tried to build towards and, you know, hiring good coaches and having a good infrastructure of um uh, people doing a lot of different work, you know, uh, gets us to that next level. Sure. I love how you mentioned Dave Thomas. And uh, as a coach who heavily relied on team services from USA Swimming, you know, for me here in the East, it was always Mark Hesse or Scott Colby or, or those guys, um, all of whom are doing different things now. But how important were they in, in the development of, uh, you know, your team? Oh, I, I cannot stress enough on how important that was. Dave Thomas, I mean, came to my house six or seven times uh, to help me um, through this whole process. And I mean, I've had bumps in the road and, it, and uh, it's been hard, but those team services were amazing. Uh, I loved what Frank Bush did when uh, I got my first swimmer on the national junior team. And you could take the national junior team trips for a week long and you could go to different places around the country. I mean, I went to see Matt Critich and Tennessee Aquatics, went to go see Tony Betis uh, and Stanford and went around the country and got to really see a lot of amazing programs and learn from what they were doing and did my best to bring those uh, attributes and traits that I thought we could bring back, you know, back to our uh, team. So, you know, having those opportunities were huge for me, especially as a young coach who, you know, um, I've never had somebody final at Olympic trials and very close, but, um, you know, it's, uh, um, it, it's, it's a learning process. And, you know, I think really, uh, for me, I've had coaches who've had that happen. So, you know, really leaning on their expertise and knowledge and um, uh, learning from them and trying to make it my own is kind of the, what I'm trying to do. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, Coach, you guys grew so quickly that many of your parents might look at your program and say, oh, if we just, you know, we do everything we're supposed to do, then we have a shot at making the Olympic team at the end of the day, because that's what you're projecting. You have so many athletes at a high level now. How do you help those parents manage those expectations? You know, uh, the great thing is, is we have an amazing uh, athlete pool to draw from. 
here in the DFW area, I mean, I joke around that everybody wants to be every everybody's competitive at everything. It doesn't matter if you're playing basketball, baseball, football, swimming, tiddlywinks, whatever, chess. It doesn't matter. But um, so I, I really feel like communication and um, teaching the parents at a younger level really what everything's about. So like you know, here tags is the intergalactic swim universal championship and of the world and we've won that event which we're very thankful of doing it but you know we took a, a different step last year and we went to the southern premier meet with uh, 125 kids and you know um we didn't bring all of our kids to tags because we're focused on long-term development i think you know the hardest thing for swimmers is that 13 14 age group and that's one of the biggest focuses we have as a team um, I think a lot of parents, you know, just want the, what's best for their kids. And I don't think they understand the development, just the child development that happens from, you know, that nine to 12 years old, where most of the athletes are pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it, it's, you know, you can see your national record holders and stuff like that. Um, but they're, they're not that much different than the other, you know, high level age group swimmers around the country but at that 13 14 age group is where i feel you know the 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 developmental gap starts shifting and you start seeing some of these really really good swimmers develop and the big thing that we started out focusing on is we saw that 13 14 age group around the country was kind of where people were quitting the sport and moving on and so we really focused on this is the age group we want you guys as 12 and unders to be good at. And so it's not about being the top 10 and under. It's not about being the top 11, 12 year old. I mean, we, it's not that I don't care how fast they're going. I want them to develop for the long term. We focus a lot about um, being really good at the high school level and the uh, high school age. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I kind of look at it as almost a planned emancipation to where the kids are, um, you know, we need to develop the kids to be successful without their coaches. Um, so I've sent kids off to uh, high level meets, uh, junior meets and, and uh, stuff like that. But and found uh, I just remember uh, my first uh, national junior team trip. Lauren Pitzer made that in San Antonio. and. Um, uh, the coach, uh, I was like, okay, I have a whole resting plan and what she needs to do. And he goes, well, you have one paragraph to tell me what about the kid. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing any, any service of what the kid relying on me doing all this stuff that they really need to be able to do this stuff on their own. So that's one of the things that we have that long-term vision of what that looks like and how to get these kids to be self-reliant when they're in 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 that sophomore junior year in, in uh, high school so really developing that 13 14 age athlete to own their swimming and to you know um really understand that this is their um sport and their parents are a part of that process a very key important part of that process and i feel like they have their lanes of things that they need to do with the swimmer. 
They need to make sure their kids are learning good study habits. They need to teach their kids time management so they can be successful both in the pool and in school. If they're not at practice, they're not going to get better. And uh, most parents, if the grades aren't good, they're not coming to practice. So we got to make sure that those parents understand what that, that that's their role and where they can help us out the most. I think nutrition is a great, is a great thing to start learning at that 13, 14 age group and starting to teach the, uh, the parents that when the kids get into high school, like what's great for us is the high school state championships are always in uh, Austin. Um, so they're traveling with their high school teams and their high school coaches. And we need to prepare our kids to travel with those coaches and not rely on the club coaches to solve every problem. So we really try to give the kids the tools to solve their own problems in practice. And when a kid comes and goes, I can't feel my stroke, it's, I can usually solve the problem of what we're doing. And I think most coaches around the country can make a kid look really good for a 25. It's just, can they do it over and over and over? Um, and so, you know, I, I think the big thing is, is teaching them about their strokes and knowing here are the three keys that I need to do to make sure that I'm operating at my full potential. I love it. Coach, this is great. We got two minutes left. And what I wanted to ask you is being in that highly competitive Texas community with those other teams so close, how do you stay focused on your team goals and not get wrapped into the drama that sometimes comes with a bunch of teams being in the same area? Uh, I mean, I, I think you can get yourself wrapped into the drama anywhere you go. I just feel like we have our goals and everything's driven from those goals. So, I mean, we have a mission statement. We have a vision statement. We have a focus of what we're trying to do every single year. And uh, it, we may have a quad plan. Uh, we, we, we have a quad plan. We have uh, things that we want to do over those times. And, you know, I think a lot of people can get distracted by competing against other people. And we try to do the best we can to compete against ourselves and with this being an individual sport, I think it kind of relates very well to that because, you know, we're just trying to make ourselves better every single day. And, you know, I think that's the secret sauce we have here, which is little small steps forward. And uh, I know one of my coaches called it habit stacking, where you're just trying to build little by little each day move and when we're all moving into the same direction great things happen jason walter fantastic thank you for being on coach's corner how can people get in touch with you if they have questions well thanks for having me uh they can reach out to me by email um i'm on social media but i really am not on social media but uh feel free to reach out to me my email jason.walter at swimlac.org and i'd be happy to talk with you Best of luck this year, Coach. Thanks, Mike. Take care. You too.